Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Supper Club Sports Beer Brats and Booyah podcast. My name is Marty Laments. We're here with episode seven and uh, really looking forward to this episode. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Tyler Albers. Tyler Albers, how are you doing tonight, bud? Marty, what's up? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to get another live podcast in. We can both be in the same room. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, we got a couple beers here, and uh, we're going to get into some sports talk right away. Um, the uh, Bucks have had a pretty entertaining road trip here on the West Coast. Five-game trip out West. Uh, unfortunately, uh, after winning the first three, they dropped the last two. So, a uh, pretty unfortunate turn of events for the Bucks. Uh, they lost and blew a lead in Utah, and then lost and uh, blew a lead in Phoenix last night. So, um, overall, uh, a good road trip for the Bucks, but um, tough way to end. Tyler, how are you feeling about it? Well, Marty, it's amazing. The, um, the Bucks, for the first time this year, had, they had two amazing streaks going. They had never lost a back-to-back game, so they did not have a single losing streak the entire season, which is mind-blowing. And they had not lost to a team more than once. And the Phoenix Suns ended both of those streaks last night. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing accomplishment. Pretty amazing that they uh, got the streak blown by a team like that. Yeah, it's funny. The Suns have 14 wins on the air. Two of those are against the two best teams, or excuse me, against the best team in the Eastern Conference. So um, they looked good last night, though. Devin Booker was killing it. And Devin, what are you going to do when these guys are hot? Devin Booker is a good player. Um, I think what they were doing it was it was the fifth road game in seven days for the Bucks, and it just looked like nobody had legs. Uh, Coach Bud was he had different lineups out there. Uh, a lot of things went wrong. Uh, it even looked like the Bucks had a chance to win it at the very end, but the Suns were actually doing a lot of full-court press and pushing the ball. I think kudos to the coach for probably realizing the, the state that the Bucks were in and just making their tired legs run, run, and run. Yeah, it was a pretty good strategy, I got to admit. And um, you could tell that we didn't have our legs in that last half of the fourth quarter pretty much all of our shots were coming up short and drawn iron um, and Middleton just played terribly the entire game uh, shooting wise. So it's just tough. You can't win every game, especially when, you know, the Bucks notoriously are awful on West coast road trips. So to take three out of five, um, I'm definitely content with that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely can't complain about that. I still think they're, their road record is still around like 24 and 11 or something stupid like that. I uh, can't complain about that number. Um, again, I think we're level-headed Bucks fans. Uh, at some point in time in the year, they're, they're going to show that they're mortal. Uh, it's good that they're doing it now and not in the playoffs. Hopefully they get it out of the way. Uh, there are some Bucks fans out there. Um, it's funny going on social media, going on Twitter, and I just want to read off some of the things that I have read last night and today. Um, Gasol is shit. Uh, Coach Bud needs to be fired. Bench Middleton. 
we won't win a championship without a player like Kobe or Jordan. Let's see if we can draft one of those guys next year. Yeah. Um, and why the hell haven't we signed Carmelo Anthony yet? Go Bucks Nation. I mean, Carmelo might be an intriguing ad, actually. But uh, we have so much depth right now that that's the least of my concerns. But that does sound like some typical Bucks fan and just Wisconsin sports fan kind of pessimism. Um, but we're going to stray from, from that pessimism. Uh, and I have a, a question for you, Tyler, that this was not rehearsed. How important to you is the number one seed for the Bucks? I think it's – I mean, if we end up with a two seed, I don't think you hang your head down. I think it's important that, to have that number one seed mainly and solely because we've been holding that seed for the entire year. I think to lose the one seed with a week remaining in the NBA season would kind of be, I don't know, stumbling into the playoffs. You know what I mean? It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good look. Um, the home court advantage, obviously, at the Pfizer Forum, the Bucks are nearly unbeatable, so that's important as well. But, yeah, definitely – Definitely important just just to maintain the dominance that they've maintained and not to show that they're slipping up towards the end of the year by losing the one seed. So I don't disagree with that, but it's really not that important to me personally. I think the most important thing is overall team health. Um, And if, you know, losing the number one seed and being the two or three seed, um, but if that means that Giannis and, you know, whoever else are at 100% Miritich, then so be it. Like, if it means we're going to give Giannis a couple extra days off and we lose those games, I'd be disappointed. I definitely would love to be the number one seed. I don't know the last time that happened. Um, so I, I would prefer it, but it wouldn't break my heart if, you know, if Giannis was getting days of rest. If he's playing every game and we're losing – uh, that would suck. But if it means that we're resting our guys and making sure we're healthy for a, a postseason push, so be it. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you there. If, if it was uh, between – it's not like we need to risk players' health or tire them out just to say that we had the best record in the East or the best record in the NBA. You're you're not really putting that up in the Raptors at the Pfizer. It's a cool thing, but I, I like Marty said, 100%, I'd rather have the guys be healthy. Well, hopefully we don't have to worry about either of those things, and we'll just uh, coast in to the number one seed. So what we need to talk about, too, is uh, Eric Bledsoe's new contract, four-year, $70 million. Um, that's roughly, I don't do math, but 17 and a half mil a year, I think is what that yeah. averages out to. Yeah. Um, and this is after I read a lot of reports, numerous reports that he was going to be a 20 to $23 million a year type guy. Uh, Marty, uh, what do you think of the deal? I mean, no matter how you slice it, that's a boatload of money, uh, $70 million. That's a big number. Um, but ultimately in the grand scheme, that is a small number for a player of his caliber. Um, at least what we've seen in the last, like, I don't know, 40 games of this year. Um, he looks like he's worth it. And his ability to slice and drive 
opens up the court for our, you know, shooters, which we've talked about this before. And Horst has been adamant about this as well. But just basically, he allows us to stretch the floor, and then he's going to dice right through it. And him and Giannis are pretty much the two guys who are penetrating Brogdon, too. But those three dudes pretty much slice in and then kick out to the open guy. And uh, he's going to help facilitate that. So I think it's a perfect signing. It makes a ton of sense. And uh, I like that it was kind of under the radar. No one was talking about it. We did it before the end of the season. It's out of the way. It's done. I like it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that point, too, because that's the way Coach Bud's system is. And Bledsoe fits it perfectly. Uh, he's a great point guard for that system because he can expose those open lanes when you stretch the floor out, or he can expose any kind of help and, and hit an open guy. He's, he's a shorter point guard, but he's strong. He's built like a bulldog. So even though he's going up against like a Ben Simmons, he can out muscle the guy. Um, yeah, 29 uh, years old, he's six one. Yeah, I mean he's he's not like you know the, the new breed of point guard. You want that that lengthy point guard that can uh, you know this it's a longer point guard for defense and things like that. But he's he's a heck of a player. And obviously last year in the playoffs, if you had said okay we're going to sign Bledsoe for four years, 70 mil. I would have told you you're crazy. But I think with Coach Bud, he's, he's gotten rid of some of uh, Bledsoe's uh, poor fundamental and bad decision-making, and, and Bledsoe has really focused in on this year. And my hope is um, he, did have a, he did have a great game after he signed it, and he's probably riding on cloud nine. He, he pretty much won that game for us. But my hope is that now he signed it, he plays and maintains at this level and he doesn't – also, he doesn't try to resort to hero ball in the playoffs because, oh, I'm the $70 million man. I need to hit a shot right here because my team needs it and then force something up. I mean, that remains to be seen, but he took, he took a little bit of a discount because he wants to be in Milwaukee, and I hope uh, some of the other free agents follow suit. Yeah, agreed. And we obviously have a pretty busy offseason ahead of us with uh... – I mean, a lot of free agents. I don't even know how many, but Lopez, Middleton, all these guys. The Brogdon's uh, restricted, so someone could throw a ridiculous number at him and we have to match it. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do this offseason. Miritich um, is a possibility, too. I mean, he still hasn't gelled with this team, and I, you know what? I haven't expected him to gel yet, uh, but he could be, definitely be an asset uh, down the road if uh, we can't sign one of the starters. I have a really good feeling about Meritich. Uh, so, like, I don't know. Something just tells me that he's going to play a big part of our uh, postseason success. But uh, you have anything else to add, Bucks related? Uh, no, I think one thing of note, um, I, I have a lot of love for Patrick Conson. I, I think he's a, a great role player. You hear me talk about him a lot. But I do have to point out that last night he pulled a Tony Snell. He went 20 minutes. He did not record a steal. He did not record a rebound. He did not score any points. He did not have a single assist. So, like I said, last night was one of those weird things, and that's just something else to put on top of it. That is a tough night. All right, now let's get to some Brewer baseball talk. 
got the uh, spring training games going on right now. Brewers have not looked great, um, but they're not supposed to. It's spring training, just getting back out there, getting their uh, getting their reps. Really, all that matters. Um, but uh, we've, uh, I think we have only won two games in spring training, so that's definitely not the most encouraging thing, Tyler. How are you feeling about the the Brewers spring training? Right? I don't know, man. We were Cactus League champs last year. I was hoping to get my second year in a row Cactus League champ T-shirt. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They don't make those. They should, it's spring training, and no one cares about spring training. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I like to win games, but it's just it, this thing is for the pitchers. And I like to see how the pitchers are doing. And that's that's pretty much it. It's cool to watch some games. It's cool to be jealous and mad about the people that are complaining about the 70 and 65, 60-degree 60 weather in Arizona while they get to watch baseball. But uh, right now, it's it, it's cool, and it, I'm glad some baseball is on. But now it makes me want opening day to come even sooner. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited for opening day. And a quick correction, uh, the Brewers have now won four spring training games after they won today, one to nothing. So I definitely uh, should eat some crow. But uh, Tyler, you said you wanted to talk about a certain Brewers pitcher that you feel is being underappreciated. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about who's going to fit into our starting rotation. And uh, many of you may not know this, but Zach Davies is still on this roster. Nice, exactly, right? He's he's such a small, diminutive guy that it's easy to forget about him. Um, when people talk about who's going to be in the starting rotation, everybody loves to just say, well, it's going to be those three young guys and Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff, and hopefully Dallas Keuchel, and then, <laughs> and then Chassin, of course. But I, I just want everybody to take a step back for a second. Zach Davies last year was a throwaway year. I'm not even counting that. He had rotator cuff inflammation. And then when he was trying to come back from that, he had a strained oblique. At any point in the time, you, okay, you're a pitcher. Does rotator cuff inflammation sound good to you? Exactly. That's a throwaway season. Just pretend 2018 didn't happen. Zach Davies is healthy now, and if he is healthy for the remainder of the year, I believe he is going to be a very solid starter, and this is why I believe it. We go back to 2017, and you look at what Zach Davies did. He had a 3.9 ERA. Anything under four is good. That was the upper half of starters that qualified. So, boom, there you go. But looking deeper into what Zach Davies does, his walk percentage is above average. It's at 6.7. His innings that year, 191 innings, that was good for top 20 in baseball. His ground ball percentage is 50%. Why is that important? Well, Craig Council loves to employ the shift. So if Zach Davies inside of Miller Park, which is a great hitter's ballpark, if he can keep the ball on the ground – and have the hitters hit into the shift, he is going to be a successful pitcher. And to go with the ground ball pitcher that he is, he only allows .94 home runs per nine innings. That was good for 12th best in the major leagues 
in 2017. These underlining things that Zach Davies can do, I think, get overlooked all the time because he doesn't throw 98 miles per hour and he doesn't have nasty stuff. What he does is he mixes four pitches, induces ground balls, and finds the plate, allowing hitters to make weak contact. If Zach Davies can come back this year, give us 175 innings, have an ERA under four, do five innings and outing, six innings every once in a while, and have the runs below three runs for our bullpen, I think he'll win a, a lot of games like he did in 2017. So stop looking past Zach Davies. I think he's going to be a perfect number four starter for us in 2019. Yeah, I'd like to point out some additional stats. That was beautifully said, by the way. Thank you for that. Um, but I'm looking at his 2016 as well. Um, in 2016, this is per baseball reference, uh, he pitched only 28 fewer innings, but uh, he recorded 11 more strikeouts, and um, his walk per nine ratio was, was 2.1. So if you're walking two guys per nine innings, that's pretty good in today's day and age. Um, so that was in 28 starts. He pitched 163 innings, um, and he struck out pretty much one guy per inning. I mean, it's a pretty impressive stat line that he put together in 2016. And then 2017, he pretty much repeated it, only with a little bit more efficiency and a few less strikeouts. But otherwise, I mean, they're pretty much identical seasons. And uh, his ERA in, it was, um, in, in 2016 it was 3.97, 2017, 3.9. I know ERA is a little bit of a dated statistic, but... Basically, it shows how consistent he was through the course of uh, 60 games started. I think I think what Marty's reinforcing there is that Zach Davies is an outgetter. And I think last year, Council did a lot more shifting, and Davies didn't get a chance to really pitch a lot to improve upon that. So with the shifting that's going on this year and his ability to induce that ground ball, and keep the ball in the ballpark, I think Davies is going to, again, be a successful pitcher. And nobody's going to really realize it. But what he's going to do is just kind of guide us to a steady record. And that's, that's all we need right now because we really don't have any studs per se, and there's nobody in the open market that's really that any good. I can have a expose on how Dallas Keuchel is not the answer for the money he's asking for and how long he wants his contract. I Trust me, he is not that good of a pitcher. He is starting to fall off. But, again, hate to belabor the point, but kind of look for how Zach Davies is feeling this spring training. Is his arm healthy? Is he hitting his spots? I look for him to definitely make the rotation. Yeah, I think he'll make the rotation. I think it's asking too much of those young guys. Um, they might eventually find their way into the rotation due to injury or necessity. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, I think it's Davies' spot to lose, personally. We'll see what Craig does. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and that's the one thing uh, that I do love about spring training, especially towards when they have to decide on the rosters, is who makes the team. What's the rotation going to look like? That's that's great stuff. Um, 
if any of the young guys makes the starting rotation uh, between Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, I think Woodruff probably has the upper hand. Uh, he's, he's done it before with some success, and he does have three pitches that he uses. Um, even his third pitch, he uses at an 11% clip. Uh, Burns, he really doesn't have a curveball, something he needs to work on the spring training. He only can use that at a 7% clip, and he gets lit up every time he throws it. And Peralta, I mean, you know about him and his fastball. That's 77% of the time he used the fastball last year. 3% of the time he used his changeup, and 20% of the time he used his curveball. I mean, if his curveball's not on, he obviously can't go to his changeup because he doesn't feel comfortable with it. And then he's out there just throwing fastballs. And I think that's just a recipe for disaster if you're a starting pitcher. I think he could use a little bit more grooming in the minors to develop those secondary pitches. Yeah, I don't disagree. And he looked really good in the spurts last year. Um, he obviously showed he was capable of getting outs with that fastball. And with that being his only pitch. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if he made the starting rotation, but I think you're right that it would behoove everyone involved to put that off a little bit longer and have him toil in the minors and figure out hit some more pitches. And he's still young too. I mean, he's the youngest of the three. He he kind of came up last year. Obviously, we remember the Colorado game. He was a bit of a revelation. And I think with him, uh, with that fastball. It's not he doesn't throw it really hard, but it's a deceptive kind of thing. And he steps, he takes a big stride to the plate, so it kind of throws people off and makes it seem faster. But once once the same hitter sees you know that that it goes up for the third time or the fourth time, he knows hey fastball's coming, and he's seen it a couple times, and he can you know probably gear up on it a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah, I think that does get the upper hand and. I would have assumed that he kind of had the hold on that five spot or four spot, depending on how it turns out here. But just with how dominant he was in the postseason out of that reliever slash opener or whatever you want to call it role that he was taking on, um, it was a ton of fun to watch. And he seems like he's an X factor. So really looking forward to 2019 Milwaukee Brewer baseball. It cannot get here soon enough. And that does it for this week's episode of beer brats and booyah both tyler and i would like to thank you guys for listening uh, we really appreciate it you can find us on facebook twitter we have a wordpress site now um, so just go ahead and google supper club sports and pretty much choose your own destiny uh, you can listen to us on blog talk radio you can find us on stitcher we're working on getting on itunes so um, we're pretty much available anywhere there you can listen to podcasts so thank you guys so much again for listening for tyler elbers i'm marty laments we out